Let's get, let's get back into the book of Jude. I got a lot of stuff today, and, and uh, <clears throat> I know we have a potluck today too, but uh, give Denise a little extra time. You know, last week we talked about the triplets found here in the, in the book of Jude, you know, that, that we are called, that we are loved, that we are kept by God, that, that you know, we want the mercy and the peace and the love of God. And, and uh, <clears throat> he said there that, that these things should be ours in abundance, that they should be multiplied to us. So, and I've and I still been thinking about this, you know, kind of, you know, you wake up in the night and you think about things, the fact that God has called us, that God loves us, that he, has, that he is keeping us. It's something that he's doing for us. And, and uh, I, I love, again, I'm going to quote that scripture again, 1 Peter 5.10. It says that God, may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, that he himself would perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I just love that. that that's the God who calls us, that he would do those things for us. He would perfect you, he would establish you, that he would strengthen you, and that he would settle you. And I want all that for myself as well. So these are the things that Jude kind of starts off with, and, and, uh, <clears throat> but we're going to pick it up. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, where we left off there in, in verses 3 and 4, he, he talks about contending for the faith. And you've probably heard that phrase before, to contend for the faith. And, and, and I was thinking about this, you know, there are things in life worth fighting for. Are there not? Are there, is there anything in your life worth fighting for? And so, you know, what, what kinds of things come to your mind? What, what, am I, what am I willing to really fight for, to contend for? And, and you know, we might say, uh, you know, my car. No, no. My family, you know, or my, my job, you know, my health I'm going to fight for. Uh, you know, there are different things in this life for, for certain things that really mean a lot. I'm going to fight for that. Well, this is what Jude is talking about here today. He's saying, he's saying that we need to earnestly contend for the faith, that, that this is something worth fighting for, and that we need to think about this. Let's read verses 3 and 4 together. We're just going to look at verse 3 today, though. But he says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt that I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have, have secretly slipped in among you, and they are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality. And they deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Verse 4, he kind of starts getting into, you know, uh, examples of what he's talking about here. But, but verse 3, he says, listen... It's like he said, he's saying, I had one message in mind that I wanted to share to you, and I, and I wanted to write about something, and, it, and, and it, he says it's the, the salvation that we share. It's another version says our common salvation, something that's common to all of us. And, and maybe that was kind of like a positive message, and, and uh, you know, which is a good message too, but it's like he's saying, listen, I wanted to talk about that, but there's something that is more pressing, more urgent, more of necessity for me to talk about. But, 
But let's just think about this for a minute before we move on to that. You know, there is something that is our, our common faith, this salvation that we share. And I, and, I, and I think about that, and the first thing that comes to my mind whenever I think about that is that we're in this, that we're all in this together. And I think of the Lord's Prayer, and the very first two words say what? Our Father, you see, we're, we're, we share this relationship with God. This is a relationship that we have, and, and that's, that's why we're family. Our Father, the salvation that you and I share, and it's a very positive thing, and it's a very good thing, and it's, it's awesome. David Guzik said this. He said, an individual Christian may not know it or understand it or benefit by it, but to be a Christian is to be a part of a community. To be a Christian means you stand shoulder to shoulder with millions of Christians who have gone before. Millions. We stand with strong Christians and weak Christians, brave Christians, cowardly Christians, old Christians, young Christians. He said, we are part of an invisible, mighty army that spans back through the generations. Makes me think of what the writer to Hebrews said. You know, what about you know, all those witnesses that are, that are you know, watching so it's a very good thing, and maybe, maybe in some ways uh, what he's talking about does apply to what he gets to because he, it's so important to him. But he says, yet, I wanted to talk about that, yet he said, I felt I had to write and I had to urge you to contend for the faith, to fight for the faith. This is something important. This word urge means to, to call for, to exhort. He says, I want to exhort you that that you need to stand up and fight for the faith. We're going to talk about, you know, what that includes as well. But but I think, you know, when you think about fighting for the faith and and when when you just open your eyes and look around a little bit, I think this is needed today more than ever. Now, sometimes we just, we're just not paying attention to what's going on around us in the, in the greater Christian world and, and in the world itself. Maybe we see more about what's going on in the world, but we're not thinking about so much about what's going on in the church. But I think this could have been written to today because of things that are getting twisted and things that are, 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 not, uh, that are, that are serious problems. There are, there are, I hate to say this, but there are a lot a lot, a lot of false teachers today. There are a lot of current false doctrines. This, you know, it used to be, you know, it was just, uh, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses and, and the Mormons. That's the only ones that we really kind of talked about. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that it, it's so prevalent today. It's, there's so much, uh, you know, aberrant uh, doctrine that has gone, you know, far away from what the truth is, the truth of the faith. And, and I'm just going to mention a few here, and maybe you won't find this interesting, but I think it's an eye-opener. And I think the heart of Jude is that, hey, we need to stand up for what's true and right. So, so I found this quote, and I really, I, really, uh, I think it, it, it hits home. He says this, false teachers uh, are defined as those who claim to preach the gospel, but who do not. We're not talking about teachers out in the world. We're talking about false teachers in the church that are, that are proclaiming to teach truth, but they are not. He says this, and this really struck me. All, almost all of the books in the New Testament contain warnings about false teachers. 
He says, for that reason alone, all of us should take seriously our responsibility to watch out for them. To watch out for them. I think, let me just name a few because we don't, you know, we don't have all day here today. Well, we could, but you, you would go to sleep on me, I'm sure. One of, the, one of the ones called Word of Faith. How many of you heard of that? Word of Faith. It's very common now. They don't, they don't use the terminology as much anymore, but it's a very common thing. And it's this concept that faith is a force. It's the Word of Faith. And that words are, are just containers for that force. This faith is a force. And, and uh, really, I, I kind of see it as you having faith in faith instead of faith in God. A big difference. Uh, another part of that is that, that being made in God's image means that we share in His divine nature. Now, it's kind of a little bit of a tricky uh, statement there, but it's like we are God. It, it, and it kind of brings in some of the, these uh, weird teachings that are, that are uh, you know, in the, in the world, really, in false religions. This one you, you would know about, salvation brings health and wealth as the right of all believers. And then this one, God speaks to word of faith leaders directly. That's a little bit tricky there because I do believe God speaks to us. But what what they mean by that is that they're speaking new truth directly to these particular few world word of faith leaders. Watch out for that. One of the newest ones, I think, is a, the, the new, it's called the New Apostolic Reformation. And this kind of, some of these things kind of came out and of the word of faith kind of doctrine. And, and, and it's this idea, uh, you know, that, that God, and let me, let me read this, God specially empowered new intercessors in the 1970s, new prophets in the 1980s, and new apostles in the 1990s. And 2001 marked the beginning of the second apostolic age. Okay, so, so what we have here now is a, is a whole bunch of a brand new apostles and a brand new thing. And these guys speak like the apostles of the, of, of the New Testament. Men and women calling themselves apostles and prophets are elevated to positions of leadership based on supposed God-given authority in the church. So you have these apostles now. These leaders are supposedly given supernatural powers, including the ability, and this is where it gets really problematic, including the ability to, do, to provide new doctrinal revelation. New doctrinal revelation. It, you know, it, it goes on from there. You know, they've got this dominion thing that you know, we're going to establish dominion on the earth and, and that Jesus cannot return until the church has dominion over all the earth. It, you know, some of these things, I, you don't even know where they, where they come from. I mentioned uh, Mormonism. I mentioned Jehovah's Witnesses. We have the Unity Church, Unitarian Church. Again, you don't hear much about these, but, but they're still out there. They're still doing their thing. You know, the liberal churches, Scientology, Christian science. You know, I, I, I didn't bring, up, bring it up here, but I had a sheet with, you know, Lists and people make lists of these different things. People who are involved in apologetics and, and they make lists and and uh, you know the list is just long, long, long. And you go like, why is there so many? Why is there so much? 
And the bottom line, I think, is, is two reasons. The bottom lines are, number one, is, is we're sinful. People are sinful. And number two is the devil, that, that's one of his big things. You know, go back to the book of Genesis in chapter 3. What did he say? Did God really say? And then starts to twist things and turn things around to, to, to have a whole nother, uh, whole nother focus and slant. I think uh, there's a couple more I'm going to mention. Uh, progressive Christianity, that's, that's, that's kind of what's happening now, especially progressive. You, you know the word progressive in terms of like political the progressives. Well, that's happening in the church too, in a sense where they, they're, they're going into something brand new. And we're progressing. Someone wrote this, uh, progressive Christianity's heart is difficult to define, but easy to spot. There, there are a variety of different ideas. But one thing they have in common is that they have abandoned the idea that the Bible is true and reliable. This is, the, this is where you, know, you start to shoot off, and, and the, where, where the Bible is not God's word, the inerrant, true word of God. They've left that behind. The primary reason, it says, is that for 100 years or more, they have increasingly turned away from traditional position that the Bible is inspired by God and contains true and specific information about Jesus, about human nature, and about how we should live. This one kind of hit home. Someone said this, Satan's greatest ambassadors are not pimps, politicians, or power brokers, but pastors. Wow. That hits home for me. His priests do not peddle a different religion, but a deadly perversion of the true one. Kind of see what Jude is talking about here. Someone wrote this, five, five signs your church might be heading toward progressive Christianity. Five things for you to listen, and, and, and even in this church. Number one, there's a lowered view of the Bible. Number two, feelings are emphasized over facts. Number three, essential Christian doctrines are open for reinterpretation. Number four, historic terms are redefined. Oh, that doesn't mean that anymore. This is what it means now. And number five, the heart of the gospel message shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. One last one, and, and uh, I, I talked about this a number of months back about deconstruction. Remember that? This is kind of big, and it, it, you see it happening, and, and, and it kind of comes out of the progressive Christian movement, this deconstruction, and, and uh, GodQuestions.org says this. It's the heading most recently applied to the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of Christian faith. It's an approach that claims to disassemble beliefs or ideas while assuming their meanings are inherently subjective. So they don't mean what they mean. They mean what I want them to mean. 
and, and what I feel that they should mean. You see, and that not that our society? It's, it's very, you know, relative. It's relative to how I feel and relative of what I want and, and what my perspective is. And when we start doing that with the scripture, we are heading for trouble, big trouble. Now, they go on to say here that it's not a bad thing for us to examine what we believe. And maybe even to change our convictions if, if we had it wrong. And I, I've had to do that. Where Man, I, I didn't really understand that. Now I understand that better. And that's not a bad thing to do. But the, the problem is, though, that the way they're defining it, uh, uh, they say it in this article that uh, deconstruction almost always acts as a polite cover for demolition. And modern deconstruction usually means replacing uncomfortable tenets with culturally or personally popular ideas. We're going to, you know, Jude, Jude goes into all kinds of details, and we're going to go into a lot more detail as we get on, as we move on with the letter. But, but that's exactly what's happening today. We see it. You can go to churches all over, and, and marriage isn't what God defines marriage in the Bible to be. One man and one woman. That's not, you can go to churches all over our state and, and it's, that, we've gotten rid of that. Why? Because it's not culturally or personally popular. So we, instead of changing us, what do we change? We change the Bible to, to, to fit what I, I think, what I want. That's very dangerous. Deconstruction. This is, this is a very popular out there today. You can just do a search about it today and you'll, and, and you'll find out uh, that a lot of churches, we've seen it a lot lately with, with uh, quote-unquote uh, musicians, uh, Christian you know, stars, right? And, they, and, and pastors even where they've come out, well, I don't really believe that anymore and, and they, you know, they, they're leading people astray. Very, very sad. So could, could what Jude is writing about apply directly to us today? Absolutely. Absolutely he could. He, sa- he says there to contend for the faith. And, and this word contend is like an, it's like an athletic uh, term. And, and you know, use it in like wrestling and that where you would wrestle. And, 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 and the word actually has in it the word agonize. To agonize upon this, to fight, to contend, to struggle with it, and to compete for it. Uh, One translation says to go on fighting strongly for it. Warren Wiersbe says to be soldiers who hold the fort at any cost. To hold the fort at any cost. Notice notice he says there, and I I think we we can see that, he says that, that this is the faith that was once for all, entrusted to the saints. You see, it's, it's entrusted to you and to me. This isn't just the pastor that has to hold on to it, but it's all of us entrusted to the saints. Now, I know that, you know, if you grew up here in Rhode Island and, and, and you know, when you hear the word saint, you're thinking of somebody who's been dead and gone a long time and did certain things so that they reached sainthood or whatever. He's not talking about that. He's talking about people who are alive. And that's you and me who have been set apart by God. We are, we are the saints. 
Now, it, it does feel a little bit weird to call myself a saint. I remember when I was in Bible school, there was a, there was a guy there, and he would, he would sign his, you know, his name, St. Joe. That was his name. But the fact of the matter is that's true. And he was right. You and I have been set apart. The word saint means to be set apart. Now, now he's saying that this faith was once and for all entrusted to the saints, given over to us. This faith. The Bible scholar uh, Thayer says it's the substance of the Christian faith. The very substance of it. That, that it was once and for all entrusted to the saints. It wasn't like, you know, being, you know, progressively revealed through the centuries. And even now we've got a brand new slant on it. No, it was given over to the saints once and for all. Never to be changed. There's no, like, new truth today. If you hear somebody saying, I've got new truth for you. Well, that's when you need to get up and leave. It's not subject to change. It's not subject to the culture. It's not subject to what our world says today is right and good and true. Someone said this, there's no new truth. When, when someone claims to have a revelation which is above and beyond the Bible, reject it. Reject it. How many of you have ever been to our website? I've been there once or twice. But we have a, we have a, a statement of faith on our website. I'm not going to read it all, but, but we have a statement of faith on, uh, on our website. And I, I've just printed it out so you can see there. But there are like 10 different points there. We could probably add a few more that, that I see that maybe we didn't add on there that are truly biblical. But, but, but these things are... They haven't changed. The truths that we, that we put down there uh, 30 years ago, these truths are still the same today. We believe there's one living and true God eternally existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. It, it's still true today. We, we can't come along and say, well, no, we, we have a newer understanding about the Trinity now, so there really is no Trinity. We believe that the scriptures of the Old and the New Testaments are the word of God, fully inspired without error in the original manuscripts and the infallible rule of faith and practice. That's the word of God. And, and we, Calvary Chapel, if Calvary Chapel ever moves away from being a, a, a church that is founded and that focuses on what God's word says, go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. And I'm sure, you know, there are a lot of Calvary chapels in the world. And I'm sure that there are some that have wandered off. The, you know, just because they, they took another path and, and, and went away from that. You know, it, it's a very dangerous thing. So you should go and read this. What do we believe, you say? Well, go read it. It's written in black and white. And sometimes I put pink circles around it. So I'm not going to read the rest of that for you today, but, but the fact of the matter is that these are based on the truths of what the, what the Bible teaches about creation, about Jesus being our Savior and our Lord, that, that there is no other way. Now, one of the things that the Bible uh, talks about in a, in a bunch of different places is this thing called apostasy, Right? This, and maybe it doesn't use that word exactly, but, but the word apostasy means that someone who departs from the faith. 
So it's been predicted that there, there were people who appear to be part of the true historic Christian faith, and they depart, they leave, they go off into something else. The problem is that they don't just go off, they stay in the church and then begin to teach those weird and crazy and false doctrines. And they come into the church so that they can spread it. They go into new churches to spread it. It's a crazy thing. So you and I, you and I, we need to contend for it. We need to know what we believe. And we need to fight for it. And when the world says, you know what, this is okay now, and, and, and there are churches that say this is okay, we have a new understanding of it now, we need to say, no, that's not what the Bible says. How are you going to know that, though? How are you going to know that? Just by coming here for, and listening for half an hour, 45 minutes, once a week? It's got to be more than that, people. You need to search. You need to study for yourself. Warren Wiersbe said this, you and I would not have the word of God today were it not for faithful believers down through the ages who guarded this precious deposit and invested it in others. People before us, they, you know, they suffered and, and, and did this so that you and I could have the truth today. There are people who gave their lives so that you and I could have the, the truth, that we could have it in our own language. I'm trying to get this to switch here. There it goes. In, in uh, <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says this. You then, my son, Paul says to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So it's this idea of passing the truth from one generation to the next. Men and women throughout history who have, who have stood up for the truth, for God's word and what God's word says. And, and, I'm, and I'm not talking about some of the you know, little finer points, the little minor issues you know, that, that we can all kind of debate about. I'm talking about the main historic, fundamental truths, the essential truths of, of the Christian faith. Some of them I've already mentioned, the, the things that I, that I were reading off our statement of faith. From the beginning, people have done this. I think about a guy like Martin Luther, though. You know, this guy, yeah, he was a little strange, maybe, in some ways. But he stood up for the truth. And, and, and he was willing to, to face persecution, and he did face persecution. And there have been many, many more since him that have faced persecution, faced rejection, because they said, this is what the Bible says. What you're saying is not what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. Read it. Let me show you where it is, where it says that. So how do you and I contend for the faith? Uh, number one, we hold strongly to the, to the truth of God's word, and that means being in the word, listening to the word, reading the word, and, and you know what? 
I think that, you know, I know myself, I, I, I don't read it enough. I'm not listening to it enough. And, and there are so many resources now to, to read and, and listen to and watch and that. And, and uh, we can't get enough. But for you and I to be ready for that. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said to Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. He said, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, he was talking to Timothy as a young pastor. And this is very, very important. If they're not preaching the word, if they're just preaching, you know, social this and social that, then you need to go somewhere else. Because Paul told Timothy, he said, for the time will come, come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. We, we just won't have it anymore. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Turn aside to myths. That's, that's what's happening today. I see it. People just, man, I don't like the way that sounds. But when you say it like this, well, that feels real good. That sounds real good. And that's like scratching an itch that I have. But... But does the Bible say that it's always going to do that? Is that, what, is that what he just said? He said to correct, to rebuke, and encourage. It's going to say a lot more than that. The, the Word of God living and active. And it, and it gets in there in between our soul and our spirit. And, and gets in there and, and, and challenges the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Paul told Timothy in, in chapter 2, 2 Timothy 2, he said, Be diligent. The old King James, I love it, it says, Study. New King James says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth, knowing what it says, that you're doing this right. There's so many, and again, that, that list of people, they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. They're dividing it all right, but they, they've got a whole different thing going there, a whole different agenda. Last point I want to make is this. How do we contend without being contentious? Because you can just be downright contentious, right? Well, that's not what the Bible says, and you're a complete idiot. Because you said that, you're, you're, you're such a fool. We can be contentious and be rude, and, 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 and we're not going to win any battles that way. But we need to speak the truth in love. That's what Paul said in Ephesians, right? Speaking the truth in love. And, and in that context, we're not going to read those verses now, but he talks about, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and the ministry used to help equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That we would all, and ministry is to help equip each one of us to, uh, to, to fight the good fight. And, and, and that we would, in that passage, he talks about that we wouldn't be blown around by, the, by every wind and doctrine. Why? Because we know the truth. And if I start telling, telling you, 
If, if I got up here and started telling, you know, Jesus, you know, Joseph was his father and, you know, but, you know, at some point in time, he, the Holy Spirit came on, came on him and that made him the son of God. You could hear that in a bunch of churches, not just some worldly place, but in the church. I would hope that the red light would start going off like, what is it? Who? What's he talking about? And you'd listen in and maybe you'd, you know, you stop looking at your phone or whatever. (laughs) And you'd say, wait, wait. And maybe you'd have to go up and talk to me after that. The last passage in 2 Timothy 2 where uh, Paul tells Timothy, you know, it's not just about arguing. He says, but be kind and be patient and praying because he says that, that in, in the last days, this is what's going to happen. And, and, and you, you need to know the truth. You need to love the truth. What we're going to see next week is that you also need to live the truth. Amen. Know it, love it, and live it. Contend. Not just the pastor. You and I, each one of us, contend for the faith. My job is just to help equip you so that you can fight this fight and and contend for the faith in in the world around you today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. But but today we thank you for your word, especially, Lord, Lord, that the truth is the truth. And we don't, we don't have to wonder because you spelled it out for us. You gave it to us. And, and we, we need to guard that what, which has been entrusted to us and, and contend for it and, and hold it out. That Jesus is the only way to heaven. That Jesus is the, the Savior of the world. That Jesus was the agent of creation that he, that he brought it all about and 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 then he came to the earth. The the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Jesus, I pray you you would protect each one of us from error, from, from getting sucked into weird and crazy ideas because they might sound interesting or or they might sound like what I might want to hear but to stick to the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Father, bless our church. I pray you bless us with, with souls that come here to find you and, and hear the word about Jesus Christ and are saved for eternity. pray that you would make us a place where, where the truth would always be uh, first and foremost and people would come and find hope and life. I pray for any maybe that, that, that don't know you, Jesus, that today they would, they would surrender and say, Jesus, I, I believe in you, I receive you, and I, I want you in my life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing together, shall we?